You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we can finally move on with a couple of other things that we wanted to talk about because there's no new Rich Eisen drama, which is nice. There was a little bit of something that a lot of people um, wanted to remind me of or show me and everybody wants to talk about, but there's no point talking about it because I told you it was going to happen yesterday. Um I said yesterday on the show, Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and he's going to say, I don't care, everything's fine. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, doesn't really matter. But I told you that's what he was going to do, and he did it. So there's no point talking about it. Um, He did, and and it was in the most Aaron Rodgers way possible, because he's on vacation now. That's what he does in the offseason. He goes and travels around the world, not hating on the guy. It's exactly what I would do if I had any money whatsoever. But he's put out some pictures and whatnot reminding everybody that um, I don't care. He's out partying with the Dalai Lama, swimming with sharks, having an excellent adventure with Bill and Ted somewhere. So, again, it's not news because we should have known it was going to happen. And, and really, this is important stuff to talk about, but it's not important stuff to dwell on. Because the reality is, Aaron Rodgers is, and we should all be thankful for it, is our quarterback for 2020, 99% sure he's going to be our quarterback in 2021. And I'm not going to put that much energy in what might happen in 2022, considering the massive amount of variables that could happen. I mean, look how much everything has changed in one draft. we still got a season, we've got injuries, we've got games and outcomes, wins and losses, we got free agent acquisitions, we got another draft... We got another season, we've got more injuries, we got more wins, we got more losses, we got another free agency period, we got another draft. And whatever other kind of crazy variables might be in between all of that. Fake drummed up drama, you know, real drama, yo mama, all kinds of crazy stuff that's going to happen that um, we'll have to take into account when it happens. But for now, we're going to focus a little bit more, at least as much as we can, on the 2020 season. And um, because it's the off season, it's what we're supposed to be doing, starting to try to get excited about what's going on. And what I want to begin doing, at least at some point, is um, taking a look at the division rivals. I, I, I didn't; it wasn't intended to be an argument. I was just talking to the guy, but I kind of started popping off about the Bears, and I don't think they're that good. And then, you know, as you get into it, you realize, man, I'm I'm in deep, and I don't actually know because I haven't even looked at their team yet. So who knows? After I actually assess it, I might be on his boat anyways and say, yeah, maybe they are going to win the division, but I doubt that very much. But that's something I want to get started doing pretty soon. I'm actually really excited about it. Again, I haven't even been able to catch my breath and really just sit down and look at what other teams did in the draft and and analyze, because again, there's 
there's the people they lost, there's the people they added in free agency, there's the draft, and it just it, it reshapes everything. And there's basically four, get out of here, alarm clock, four new teams in the division that we got to really um, analyze, look at, see what we can figure out. Not today, so I don't know why I'm telling you, but I do want to do that. Sounds fun. Um, before we launch into things, I want to, first of all, remind you to get in the Facebook group and to like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. That would be greatly appreciated. If you like the show, I know there's a little bit of an uptick in new people listening. If you appreciate it, there are links in the description to kind of direct you into different ways that you can help out. But would be really nice if you could leave a rating and review, whether that's on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you can do it. If you have Spotify, subscribe on Spotify. That would be very nice. And one other thing. Um, I'm trying a new format. One of the things that I did for a long time, I had this podcast and I also had an NFL Draft YouTube channel. And those were kind of two things I was doing at once. The YouTube channel was a lot of work and I didn't like doing so much work to maybe get out one video a week. So I kind of stopped. But now that we're starting the 2021 season, yes, we're starting the 2021 draft season. That's how the season goes. It's a year-round event for for some of us. Um, I'm starting a new format. Bottom line, I'm, I'm trying to commit to that so if if you want to show a little bit of support um i am putting some of the video or i am going to put the videos in on facebook as well because i want to grow the facebook stuff but um the youtube channel is pack daddy nfl i don't put a lot of thought into names so don't worry about it but if you're interested in the draft i've got my first video up pack daddy nfl on youtube go subscribe otherwise i'll be posting those videos in the facebook pages and groups and whatnot so you can watch it there however whenever whatever but um, bottom line, I do have my first 2021 mock draft up, fully equipped with trades, and it's actually a video showing highlight. I, th- I figure that'd be the best way to do it. I can't monetize it, which is probably stupid. I should just put up little graphics so I can make money on it. But I just, I really like the format of announcing the pick while you're watching highlights. So I'm just going to do that because I don't care. Anyways, just throwing it out there. I know some people barely care about the draft when it's actually happening this year. But for those that like it, there you go. As for today, a couple of quick points. Um, I want to address the Jordan Love pick. I was listening to one of the Draft Network show guys, whatever, and it kind of just dawned on me. I, I Listen, I didn't want them to pick Jordan Love. I don't agree with the pick insofar as I would not have done it. But it's not just that I watched him and my fear was this guy's going to be Mitch Trubisky, which is exactly what I said because he looks great, 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 and then throws a pick at the worst possible time. But it's also a matter of the fact that I just would not have had the courage to do it. I would have been way too much of a coward to do that, because the easy thing to do is to draft a wide receiver, get better on offense, and just punish people down the field. Just appease the fans, forget Lafleur and what he says he needs in his system, let's just give Rodgers what he wants, let's give the fans what they want, let's go out and get a wide receiver, because it's probably going to pan out, right? I mean, Everybody, Lafleur will forgive me because, you know, we got a good wide receiver. So, you know, it'll be fine. I'll just tell him it's how the board fell, whatever. But in reality, this kind of courage, not just the strategy, but this general courage and understanding of despite what feels right now, I'm going to do something that's, number one, pretty risky. Number two, everybody's going to hate it, but it's future-focused on the most important piece in football, because the most important thing, especially for a a coach and GM that are extremely young and just starting their careers, for a team that, if they, as long as they don't run this thing into the ground, they could be here for a very long time. 
But a lot of that is contingent on finding the next quarterback. But that's a separate issue. The point is, there is a history of being courageous. And when you see that quarterback that you can believe can be that guy, you go get that guy at all costs. Now, I obviously don't remember this because I was, let's see, this is 1991-ish. So I was I was five-ish years old. I mean, 91 was when Brett Favre was drafted. But th- think about this. And I, you know, some of the elder statesmen listening maybe remember this, but I, I have to assume, and maybe without all the media and all the, the direct attention, there wasn't as much anger. I've never actually heard the story, but I, I have to assume that if anything like this happened today, there would be an absolute riot. Brett Favre was drafted in the second round. Now, granted, it was the first pick of the second round, but still the second round. The head coach of the Atlanta Falcons thought he was a bum, didn't want anything to do with him, said he would be an absolute train wreck. Turns out, he was kind of right. Brett Favre took four passes. He, he threw the ball four times for Atlanta. His first ever pass was an interception for a touchdown. Of the four passes, two of them were interceptions. Ron Wolf gives a first-round pick. He gives up his first-round pick for a second-round pick that his own coach didn't like, and 50% of his passes were interceptions. I mean, that's that's not just courageous. That's borderline stupid. <laughs> that's I mean, even knowing how well that panned out, that's just dumb. But 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 it's it's the courage and conviction. He wanted Brett Favre badly. He saw how good Brett Favre was despite the flaws. And if you think Jordan Love is flawed, Brett Favre is on another planet as far as flawed, as far as interceptions. And to give up a first-round pick the next year for a guy drafted in the second round that was basically a bust and his own team didn't want him is just insanity. I can't even fathom how furious I would be if the Green Bay Packers ever did anything like that. And then, of course, you have Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre is currently under contract. In, you know, 2004, the Packers made the playoffs. They weren't an elite team, and we got knocked off by the Vikings pretty convincingly. But the Packers have been in the playoffs every year since 2000, and who knows how long it's been since they had a losing season. And from the standpoint of Brett Favre, obviously the interceptions were high, but he's number three in yards, number three in touchdowns, number five in net yards per attempt. I mean, through the air, the, the, the Packers' offense was clicking, man. They were fifth in points. They were third in yards. The offense was great. They just needed help on defense. The defense is no good. 23rd in points, 25th in yards, 31st in turnovers, 25th in passing yards, 32nd, dead last in touchdowns allowed through the air, 31st in interceptions, 25th in net yards per attempt, 27th in rushing yards per attempt. This is this is probably the worst defense in football. And instead of helping Aaron Rodgers... <laughs> see? See? The story repeats itself. Instead of helping Brett Favre, instead of getting him the defensive pieces he needs to actually compete, we draft Aaron Rodgers. Interestingly enough, that 2005 season, the Packers go 4-12. and Now, I, I don't remember. I was alive. I was... I mean, I graduated high school in 2005, so I wasn't a young pup. But I was just purely a Packer fan. I didn't know anything about the rest of the NFL. I didn't really watch the draft very much. I remember I used to when I was a kid sit down in front of the TV, but I didn't know who these guys were. And there was 5,000 rounds, and I'd get excited about it, and then I got bored after a very short period of time. I don't. I wasn't really plugged in, and we didn't have all this stuff going on. So I don't remember, but I, I just have a hard time believing that there wasn't a lot of 
I guess fury. I, I I don't know, but you're you're as a fan base begging for help. They choose not to give you the help, and the next year you go four and twelve. Now, granted, the defense actually was better than the offense in two thousand and five, but that is when Mike McCarthy comes on board. Y- you know, whatever you know the rest of the story. But the 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 point is that's pretty gutsy. You're right there. You've got a quarterback and an offense that's good enough, but you got the worst defense in football. And Packer fans are just begging, come on, let's fix this defense and go win a Super Bowl for crying out loud. And you draft a replacement for a position that is not the problem. Now, it's a little bit of a different situation with Brett Favre constantly talking about retirement and I don't know and blah, 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 blah. Still. So all I'm really saying is it's gutsy. I don't know if it's the right move. None of us know if Jordan Love is going to be the right guy. But at the very least, as Packer fans, we should respect it. We should absolutely respect the move. Because this is the kind of thing... You think they don't know that everybody's going to hate this? Aaron Rodgers is going to hate this. The fans are going to hate this. They know what we want them to draft. They know we want them to get a wide receiver. And then if they don't get a wide receiver, there's a linebacker. We can accept it. Defensive tackle. Okay, fine. Not that there's any that we like that early, especially trading up, but we would understand it and accept it. Quarterback? At least with Brett Favre, we needed a quarterback. I would have been furious at that decision. I'm sure there had to be people calling for Ron Wolf's head. But every GM, over the last 30 years of success, and there's only been two, has started their tenure by drafting the quarterback of the future. Ron Wolf started with the Green Bay Packers as a general manager in 1991. In 1992, he comes in, gives away a first-round pick for a bust quarterback who throws nothing but interceptions. Ted Thompson comes in in 2005, and the first thing he does is draft a new quarterback. I mean, history is just, it's, and again, it doesn't automatically make Jordan Love a good quarterback, but this is just, this is the, this is where Gutekunst was raised. This is, this is what he understands. There's nothing more important to the critical success of a franchise than securing the quarterback position. And, and just like anything else, it doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers is gone. It just means theoretically. Whatever happens after this is, is, is just whatever. But being able to secure the quarterback position is of critical importance. And similar to Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, they're, they're looking at a guy that has an unbelievably unique skill set. I mean, a little bit of a different dynamic, but, you know, the times have changed and everything else. But, you know, Brett Favre, and I'm not going to pretend to be able to give a scouting report. I never watched him in college. Obviously, unbelievably rare ability. We watched his rare ability for years. It came with downside, but you accept it when you're a Packer fan because of what he was able to do for the team. Aaron Rodgers, extremely rare ability. He had a lot of stuff to work on, which is a benefit of him sitting for a while because Mike McCarthy was able to coach him up and work on his footwork and his, his throwing motion and whatever else he needed to work on. And Jordan Love is, is really no different than any of these, these situations. Again, that doesn't automatically make him a good quarterback, and I'm not trying to make that case. Really, all I'm trying to say is that this is not a surprising pick, and if there's any fan base in the world that should respect this, not necessarily agree with it, but respect it, it's the Green Bay Packer fans. And really, the, the Packers are in a rare situation because of their history and their, their trust in their GMs and their ability to stick with GMs and whatnot. Because there are teams out there, literally, where even if they had a GM, let's, let, even if it's Brian Gutekunst or whoever, they don't make this pick, even if they know on a theoretical 
level. This is what you do if you want to have long-term success. They won't do it because they're terrified of their fans. And I'm not necessarily talking about the GM being directly scared of the fans, but the GM, just like anybody else, is scared for their job. And a lot of teams have owners that just care about satisfying the fans. And you, I mean, you've seen it. If, if you've been watching football for any period of time, you've seen a situation where you have a GM making the responsible move, but they start trying to build for the future. you got a garbage team, and rather than just picking a couple high upside guys, you know, going out and getting a quarterback and a wide receiver so you can put on a flashy display while your team goes 4-12, and 12, um, they're, they're looking at it as we, this is going to be a multi-year build and it's going to take some time. And then because your team isn't good and you didn't get that quarterback or whatever, and it, the GM gets fired. Really, the GM needed time. And that, that's why when you see things, when you see a guy, for example, like John Gruden, they gave him a 10-year contract. John Gruden came in and said, listen, I'm going to build it, but it's going to be my way. And once he had control, he started doing things that nobody else, very few people would have the guts to do. Cutting Khalil Mack, well, trading Khalil Mack, that, that just doesn't happen. But the fact of the matter is he's tearing this thing down, rebuilding it. Most teams in the NFL will not do things the right way simply because they're too scared of losing their job because they have owners who are not going to be patient. This is a business, and it needs to make money. You can't tear this thing down. We can't go 0-16 or have one or two. We can't do that. I want you to go out and get a flashy quarterback so that we have hope, so that we can put butts in the seats. I want NFL Network talking about our team. But again, because of the history and tradition of the Green Bay Packers, they understand long-term vision. They're not trigger happy. They're not just going to fire the GM in one bad year or, or, or the coach, and, and maybe to a fault. Maybe they allow it to go on too long. But you need to be able to give people time. If you're going to hire a guy like Matt LaFleur, if you're going to hire a guy like Brian Gutekunst, you have to allow him to build out his vision for what this team should be. That's the point. There, there's a new NFL, and Brian Gutekunst is the guy that's going to recreate that, and he goes out and gets a coach that understands how to work in the, today's NFL. And together, they've got to build out their vision for what this looks like. And that's all they're doing right now. And for now, that, that vision is going to be implemented by Aaron Rodgers, and good. Aaron Rodgers is still an elite quarterback. Maybe he's not as good as he was. Maybe he's not the number one quarterback in football anymore, but Similar to what I said about wide receiver, where, okay, it's not the best group in the world, but it's not the worst, and you can't say we can't win without what we have. That's ridiculous. It's amazing to me that last year everybody's screaming about how good Lazard is. He's a legit number two. He's underrated. He's really, and, and suddenly, when the draft comes around, we forget that, no, no, Lazard's garbage. Oh, okay, I don't know where that came from, but sure. So again, that, that's really all I wanted to say on that. You don't have to like it, but you should at least respect it, because it's a it's a tried and true tradition in Green Bay that has seen 30 years of success. And because Aaron Rodgers is under contract for a little bit of a while, if this doesn't really work out, and I understand Deshaun Kaiser and I understand Brett Hundley, but let's not pretend that's the same thing. Trading up in the fourth round and trading away a safety that you're going to cut anyways just to try a guy out is not the same thing as trading up in the first round. So we'll see. Anyways, um, since I'm actually remembering why don't we go ahead and take a little quick break and we'll jump back into some other stuff we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so u.s cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I've gotten a bunch of more questions. People are still wanting to know about free agency. you got to understand that for the most part, it's all dried up. The well is dried up. A lot of people like Snacks Harrison. We've talked about that a thousand times. He's maybe, I mean, aside from Jadavian Clowney, but we're not even going to bother talking about that. For the most part, people want to know about wide receivers. And here's what it really comes down to for me, um, regardless of who it is. It's not a matter of can we find a better wide receiver. I mean, from a PFF standpoint of just flat-out grades or talent, we're not going to find a guy, and this is what the Packers talked about in the draft, and I've said for some time now, there's no point in getting just another guy that's going to be a a mix in the pile. And that's what they got in Funches. It's a guy that's kind of on the same level as Lazar or whoever. Now, there's a, a consistency issue as far as, you know, I mean, you could say Kumaro if you want, but Kumaro's really, really good for like two games a year and then just is not good at all. But that's that's really all that's left are those kinds of guys. The only thing that would really change this for me is um, the style of wide receiver. Again, it's not just a matter of good in a vacuum. It's a matter of being able to execute certain things. So I would have to know from Matt LaFleur what is still missing. What is it on your playbook that, that you'd like to execute that you can't anymore? or I shouldn't say anymore, that, that, that you can't and still need someone to go out. But the, the strange thing to me is that they had that ability already. I'm, I'm, as I'm looking at it, if there's something I thought they needed, it would be more of a slot receiver. It would be maybe a guy that can run some end-around type stuff, a, a speed guy, shifty kind of guy. They went out and got the exact opposite. They got a six foot four, 225-pound wide receiver who ran a 4.7 at the combine. I mean, the guy's a, a smaller tight end. So for whatever reason, their their assessment was, we need bigger guys. I <laughs> I just, I don't know. Apparently, that's Lafleur's contention is, I just want big body guys. And I, I don't really, and maybe that's a Gutekunst thing. I don't really understand it. I, I just, but whatever, it is what it is. The, the point is, though, if they had a wide receiver, that's the only thing I can think is there, there's, a, there's a dynamic to a skill set that they're looking for. And so it's hard to, without knowing what that skill set is, to picture who the wide receiver could be. Now, maybe I'm just way off, but I still feel like the guy that we're missing 
is a smaller, shiftier guy. And interestingly enough, the, the guy that, I, that I'm thinking of, and, and somebody had asked me yesterday, what do you think about a guy like Tavon Austin? Now, again, from a grade perspective, the guy is just kind of garbage. I mean, he's worse than Funchess. He's never really even had a good year. But from a scheme perspective, if you ask me what we're missing, this is kind of it. And interestingly enough, the, the position that I'm thinking of, and we do have a guy, but I don't know if it's the guy you necessarily want to rely on, is it's a guy by the name of Tyler Irvin. Now, I understand Tyler Irvin's a running back, and you have people commenting on that in a Facebook post or whatever when I talked about running backs that we have. And they're like, what about Tyler Irvin? I understand Tyler Irvin is given the title of running back, but as I've mentioned before, um, 46 times he stepped on the field. Only 11 of those 46 was as a running back. 35 out of 46 times he split out as a wide receiver. Tyler Irvin might be labeled as a running back, but they used him a lot more as a wide receiver. They also use him in things like end arounds and just that kind of stuff. And so if I if there was something that I could think that Matt LaFleur wants and needs, it would be a guy that could execute that kind of stuff. And maybe they're fine with Tyler Irvin. I mean, he was a he's a 26-year-old guy that was a fourth-round pick. I mean, there's some reason to believe that he could be a decent enough guy. He's uh, 441 speed. So I'm not saying I want Tavon Austin. Because that would be me saying, despite the fact, let's see, how many years, since 2013, so after seven years of two teams not having any idea how to use him, um, the Packers are going to be the team that knows how. I just find that somewhat hard to believe. But I do think it's interesting, and I and I would be intrigued by that, and I'm upset that they don't seem to have that as a priority. And I understand it's just kind of a gadgety thing, but if we're talking about what does the team need, we don't need another six foot four wide receiver. We've got enough. We've got so many big body guys on the outside. Some with speed, some without. It's like I, I think we got the bases covered on that. We don't have anybody that's going to play in the slot, except my contention is EQ. But the Packers haven't shown any interest in that so far. Kumaro, I guess, but it's just. I mean, it's not a, a real true slot guy. These are all these big body slots that don't actually have a lot of, you know, that elite level shiftiness and and burst and speed to get open. So I, I, I don't understand it, but the, the point is, it's not impossible they go get a wide receiver, but don't get excited about any of these guys, whether it's Tavon Austin, who I understand ran 4-3-4 and was the eighth overall pick in the first round at one point, but that was 2013. He's played for two different teams, and we heard for the first three to four years of his career that he's got elite level whatever. It's just a matter of trying to figure out how to use them. And at, at 29 years old, I just don't think the Packers are going to be the one team that, quote-unquote, knows how to use them. The other person that I was asked about was uh, Kenny Stills. Again, 28 years old, 4.38 speed. I like him from that perspective. And to be honest, I think he would be perfect, because even if you look at Houston, he graded out pretty well, but there is a direct correlation between how well he played and where he played. I don't have the ability to do this via PFF, but if I could, I would. His When he played in the slot, really good grades. Outside of that, not super great. So he was a slot receiver, at least primarily, seven times last season. There were 14 games that they, or 15-ish games that they played, so about half, about half of the time he was in the slot. His top one, two, three, his top five games were in the slot. Of the games in which he had a grade of 70 or higher, which is good, six of them were in the slot, two of them were when he lined up out wide. Games in which he wasn't great, obviously the exact opposite. Only one of those games when he was in the slot, the rest are when he lined up out wide. So from the perspective of 
let's get a guy with a lot of speed that seems to be really good when he's in the slot. And it's also kind of important to note, as I'm looking through it, it doesn't look like Miami really utilized him that way. So he was terrible in Miami, which, by the way, terrible team, terrible quarterbacks, terrible coaches, terrible everything. And they basically just put him out, out wide all the time. It's basically just one game a year where he lined up in the slot. You know, 2015, one game. It was week six against Tennessee. Guess what his best game that year was? The only game in which he was actually a pretty good wide receiver was when he was in the slot. 2014, he wasn't using the slot even once. I shouldn't say that. He was... He wasn't primarily put in the slot. He wasn't designated as a slot receiver in that game. Same goes for 2013. So so with New Orleans, by the way, this is New Orleans 2013-2014, not one time did they put him in the slot. With Miami, it was about one time per year they designated him as a slot guy. With Houston, they put him in the slot 50% of the time. It correlates with a resurgence in his career, go figure, also better quarterback and whatnot, but the only reason the grade is even as low as it is, which his overall grade was a 70, is because half the year he was out wide and was terrible in just about every one of those games. So I, I I wouldn't mind the concept of just bringing in a Kenny Stills to be in the slot. I don't know if the Packers just don't care about the slot position or they just want a big body slot guy. I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just stuck on it and I need to let it go. I just want a quick, shifty wide receiver. Not big, bulky guy who runs a fast 40, but somehow can't separate MVS. And again, I like Coomer or uh, Equinemius, but... Um, I don't know. Again, it, it has more to do with what we're going to do with him than just how good he is in a vacuum. Because if I'm just going to sit here and look at PFF grades, Kenny Stills is garbage. I mean, he's, he's just not good. But there's at least enough there for me to want to investigate that. So talk to my personnel people and be like, all right, look, is this a guy we can bring in to be a slot receiver? I mean, I really just don't want to spend more money at wide receiver. We, we brought in Funches. We've done basically nothing at defensive tackle. And yes, I mean nothing. I don't know what Kenny Stills would cost, but just, eh. This would have to be very much a, we're going to exclusively put him in the slot, and we believe he's going to be very good there. But do I expect it? No, I don't. I think Funches was their move at wide receiver, and I think they're done. And if they get another one, it, please, please, please don't be another Funches, or I'm just going to, I'm just going to cry. Because as much as I try to understand what it is the Packers are doing, and when they don't do what I want them to do, I I rationalize it and say, okay, well, maybe this is why. Because I assume they're smarter than I am. But I'm not going to rationalize that. If they go out and get another Funchess, I'm just going to be upset about it. I would rather them actually get Tavon Austin, who is not a good football player, than to get another Funchess, even if he's a better football player. Because we have enough! I mean, Equinemius is 6'5", Marquez is 6'4", Jake Kumaro is 6'4", Devin Funches is 6'4", Alan Lazard is 6'5". We get it, all right? We, we're, we're good there. We get I don't know. I'd, I'd love to be able to just sit down with Gutekunst and, and try to understand this conceptually because I, I genuinely just don't really understand it. I mean, for me, the biggest thing a wide receiver can do is separate. And I think the biggest issue with Devin Funches, Alan Lazard, Jay Kumaro, whatever, although at times they have real good ability, Jay Kumaro I think is a very cerebral route runner, They've got that ability, but I, I wouldn't mind a guy that just has top-tier athleticism so that he can get away from people. I, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. Since we're on it, I might as well talk about Reggie Begleton because I've been asked about Reggie Begleton every day for about a month. You want to know my take on Reggie Begleton? Here's my take on Reggie Begleton. I don't think he makes the team. I don't think he makes the team. I, I don't think he's going to be on the roster in 2020. Everybody will not stop talking about Reggie Begleton. I, I don't get it. I mean, I get it because this is what fans do every year. I, ju- I don't understand where this is coming from. Here is the brief history of Reggie Begleton, okay? He played college football at Lamar, whatever that is. 
to school in Texas somewhere. So he's a he's a Texas kid, born and raised, goes to a small school in Texas to play football. He goes undrafted. He doesn't get drafted. He doesn't even get signed as an undrafted free agent. So he ends up doing what a lot of guys do. They go to play in, in Canada. Now, I think the part of the story that a lot of people are missing is they think that he was just missed because he went to a small school. He goes to Canada. He absolutely lights it up because he's this elite prospect, and the Packers sign him, and we're about to he's about to light the league on fire. First of all, I think we underestimate how much worse the college league or the uh, Canadian league is than the NFL. I think it's pretty rare that guys get picked up out of the Canadian league and come here and are any good at anything. Even the best of the best. I mean, they, they always they have great players out there in terms of dominating in Canada. They don't usually even get picked up. That's number one. Number two, and this is kind of the biggest thing, this isn't the first time he's been with an NFL team. He's done workouts for other teams like the Raiders and I don't remember who all else. And if you read through even his own comments, he didn't really even expect to make a roster. He started talking about, you know, I did my best. We'll see. It's He, he, he even acknowledges that the odds of me getting on a team are extremely low. But hey, if I don't make it on a team, at least I can go back to the CFL because I've established myself there. He acknowledges what's going on here. And I think I saw somebody else talk about like the reason we should take this seriously is because we signed him to a three-year contract, and that's a big deal. No, we didn't. Reggie Begleton is an undrafted free agent. We essentially drafted him as an undrafted free agent, and he got an undrafted free agent contract. He got like $7,000. If he gets cut, there's like a $2,000 contract dead cap hit. This is like fake money for a football team. This is not even a thing. This would be like me losing, you know, a buck at the ATM when I withdraw $200 or whatever. It's it's not that big of a deal, although according to my wife it's a pretty big deal. So I don't go to the ATM anymore. And and uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not just trying to trash the guy, but you know how this works. When people overreact, I'm going to overreact in the opposite direction because it's just I, I'm kind of just tired of it. I'm tired of hearing, every time wide receivers are brought up, there's always a group of people in the comments saying, oh, and don't forget Reggie Begleton. Oh, yeah, and Reggie Begleton. Why, is it, why does nobody talk about Reggie Begleton? You guys forget about Reggie Begleton. What about Reggie? I think Reggie Begleton is going to be talking Reggie Begleton, Reggie Begleton. Stop! The Packers are just taking a flyer. If anything, he's going to make the team just because, just to fill in a spot because they decided to move on from MVS. But he's not going to beat out Funches. He's not going to beat out Lazard. I mean, again, they can move on from if if Kumaro's not there and MVS isn't there, we've got Equinemius, we got Devante, we got Funches, we got Lazard. I mean, if we want to just keep five, maybe Reggie, Reggie Begleton does make the team. But to believe that this guy's going to come in and make a massive impact because he was really good in Canadian football, and to be honest, I've I've watched him in Canadian football. I don't see very much. I mean, obviously, he gets a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, but that has more to do with the ineptitude of the rest of the league. Not so much him as a really polished route runner. Not anything to do with his body control and you know him high pointing balls or any of that kind of stuff. So I you know could be wrong. Maybe he's going to be a freak, but I really really doubt it. Usually freaks don't go completely undrafted and don't even get a call after the draft to be an undrafted free agent. And again, I doubt there was a lot of fervor fighting over this guy to to be on their team after what he did in in Canadian football. I mean just I mean. From the standpoint of, I mean, he was third in yards. There's also Brandon Banks and Brian Burnham. Both of those guys had also also had more touchdowns. They also had more 30-yard completions, of which Begleton didn't have very many. Brian Burnham had almost 15 yards per um, per reception. 
I, I don't know. I just, you know, the, the, the third best wide receiver in Canadian football that went completely undrafted in the NFL who played for a really small school is going to come in here and light the league on fire? Come on now. Stop it. You got to stop it. This whole hidden gem thing is just kind of obnoxious. And eventually I'm going to say this, and you're going to get a Donald Driver that is going to be incredible, although he's a late-round guy or whatever, and I'm going to be proven wrong. But you know what? I'm going to be right 99 times before I'm wrong once. This is going to be one of those 99 times. You got to stop it. Whether it's last year's seventh-round linebacker or this, and, and by the way, as much as I rip on Ty Summers and how people freak out about their seventh-round linebacker being this elite prospect, I believe more in Ty Summers than I do Reggie Begleton. Even after having watched Ty Summers not really even get the starting job, I would bet there is a higher likelihood that Ty Summers is a starting linebacker before Reggie Begleton is a starting wide receiver. I'll put my money on Jonathan Garvin, our last seventh-round pick this year, to be on the field as a starting pass rusher. Well, maybe not starting, that's ridiculous, but at least a rotational pass rusher before I believe in Reggie Begleton. There's just there's nothing for me to go off of here that leads me to believe he's going to be any good. He might be, but every single bit of evidence that I can look at says he's not going to be even much of a contributor. And again, if I had to guess, and let's say it's pretty close to 50-50, but my guess is the guy doesn't make the final roster. Just a guess. I don't know. And again, it's not like he's competing with the, the most elite players in the world. He kind of just needs to be almost up to... And, and even if they think he's a bit of a project, if they're already basically on on board with moving on from MVS and Kumaro, maybe they just are, are kind of over those experiments and want to try to find somebody else that maybe they think has some upside. So maybe all he needs to do is demonstrate that he has some upside to make the roster. But I don't know, man. It's going to be a no from me, dog. So now you've heard it. So now you can stop asking me what I think of Reggie Begleton because now I've told you what I think of Reggie Begleton. And just like always, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope he's the number two receiver and he's just this freak this monstrous six foot two, two hundred pound guy who runs in the four fives, man, just gonna tear it up. I mean, what, what, what? How could you expect any less from the third best Canadian wide receiver? I, you know, freak. I'm being sarcastic, but I, have I made my point now? I feel like I have. Anyways, I'm gonna have to cut it off there. We'll end on a low note because, uh, you know, gotta go. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will plan on talking to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.